Hello everyone, this is Marcus Jefferson here with the What is Opera Anyway podcast, a podcast where we explore all things opera to truly find out what is opera anyway. My guests today are Emily Martin and Elizabeth McDonald of EM Squared Connect, a company that facilitates artist development, provides resources for total inclusion in the arts, and cultivates a community of artists through their online platform, From the Voice Of. In this episode, we explore the topic of cultivating the next generation of artists and performers through connection and community. Enjoy. So my name is Emily Martin. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm one of the founders of From the Voice Of and EM2 Connect. Today I'm coming to you from my home in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, but I recognize that I'm on the traditional lands of the Susquehannock peoples. I have shoulder length blonde hair and I'm wearing black glasses. I am sitting in a room facing a wall at a desk, bookcases behind me, and I have three windows on my right. My name is Elizabeth McDonald. My pronouns are she, her, and I am the other founder of From the Voice of and EM Squared Connect. And today I'm coming to you from my home in Prince Edward County, Ontario, which is just a few hours outside of Toronto, if uh, those of you who don't know Canada very well. Um, But I recognize that I'm on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabek, the Huron-Wendat, and the Haudenosaunee Iroquois. This territory is covered by the Williams and Upper Canada Treaties. I have long brown hair past my shoulders and I'm sitting in a room with a large bookcase behind me and photos. I have a piano on my right and I'm wearing black framed glasses and a black turtleneck sweater. Amazing. Well, thank you for that um, robust introduction and very specific. (laughs) Um, Great. So we are here with EM Squared Connect, um, Elizabeth and Emily, and we're here to talk about their foundation that they have together. Do you guys want to give a little intro to what exactly your foundation does for artists and singers and of the like? Sure. Sure. Yeah, Elizabeth, you're pretty good at the intro. So do you want to do that? Sure. Yeah. It's weird to be doing this podcast and not be able to see each other. There's no visual cues. Yeah. (laughs) Normally, normally we'd be pointing at each other. So uh, (laughs) it's like flying blind here. It's funny. Um, so EM squared connect or EM two connect, we get both, uh, is actually not a foundation. We are a, um, we're a business, we're, um, a partnership, uh, registered in Canada, uh, which is where I live. And, um, we started, um, in the, I'm going to say the fall of 2020, right. As the pandemic was really sort of kicking our butts as, you know, singers, as voice teachers, as artists, um, and the whole point of EM2 was we were getting all of these uh, young artists coming to us and saying, I don't know what to do next. Mm. And so we looked at what was around and what supports networks were in place. And there didn't seem to be very many. There didn't seem to be a conversation being had about what was going to happen next as we were sort of 
just where well, we we thought we were deep in the pandemic, but it was still early now when we think uh, historically mm -hmm. in the late 2020. Um, and we looked around and we thought, well, there's it's very hard to find community right now because we're all at home and we're all isolating. And um, it's really hard to have a conversation about what's next when the sort of traditional model is sort of being upended of what the artistic journey would be for singers. So we started EM Squared to sort of facilitate um, artists to redefine their success and their careers and mm -hmm. to consult on different projects and grants. Um, and then to also continue our own sort of one-on-one -on -one teaching that we were doing as voice teachers and bodywork teachers. And then we also started the community from the voice of um, as a platform for people to come in and have conversations. And we were host, we continue to host um, weekly uh, drop-ins and, and talks where we talk with different artists about their own journeys for people to be able to see themselves in other people um, mm -hmm. and to try to create an opportunity uh, for artists that were transitioning to look at other artists that had already done that, had already done new things and different things and, and challenge themselves. And so sort of raise the conversation and then bring people together to, you know, find connection and networking and, 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 and all of those things. So yeah. that's sort of the, the big, the big paintbrush, the Amazing. big paintbrush gesture. I don't know what I'm saying yeah. now. <laughs> that's no, I, um, totally. I, I understand um, where you're coming from. And I think um, as a young artist, as a young singer, someone who's trying to, um, you know, make it through this world, this weird world we're living in now, I don't mm -hmm. think I've ever um, had a company or a, um, had a, like something organized like this that was ever been presented to me before. Right. So I, I just think it's, it's a great, um, it's a great uh, starting place for young singers, especially now um, that we don't really have a specific model, like you were mm -hmm. saying, mm -hmm. um, of how to continue with this uh, with this career. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think I think most of what's out there has always been, you know, if you well, how do you do your resume? How do you do your you know your recording? How do you do all of these things? And that's of course very important, but you know, we have to think broader than that. And exactly. so, you know, I appreciate that you uh, said all that because that's exactly why we started this is both Elizabeth and I were in the traditional pipeline um, mm -hmm. for young singers. We are a little bit more experienced than some out there. And um, and we really understood that that wasn't going to work anymore. It definitely was mm -hmm. not going to work anymore. Yeah. And for our listeners who don't know what the traditional opera pipeline is, um, I think I have an, a kind of an idea of what I think it is, but... Um, could, did, would you want to care to explain what your experience was through the opera, traditional opera pipeline for a young singer? Sure. Um, so the traditional pipeline when I was at school and Elizabeth was around the same time was that you did one of two things. You either performed or you taught. And mm -hmm. so most of it was performing. And so you would go to your undergraduate, you would take your voice lessons, you would take all of the classes, you would do the young artist programs during the summer, you would most likely go to graduate school, you would hope that you got management, and then you would sing. And mm -hmm. you just hoped there were enough jobs out there. And at the time, I wouldn't say there were tons of jobs, but it definitely was a smaller audition pool. 
Um, and there were a lot of things that were going on in the career that are not kosher. <laughs> we'll say, I hate mm -hmm. to use that word, mm -hmm. but, you know, people were getting jobs for various reasons other than their talent. Um, it, you know, it was a very, it was a very difficult period um, for making careers as a singer, but not as difficult as today. And mm -hmm. if you did not make a career as a singer, then you taught. And that was sort of one or the other. Um, and I don't know if Elizabeth, if you want to say more to that, but that was yeah, sure. the traditional pipeline that we followed as young singers. Yeah. Well, and just to jump in on that, the, the whole idea when Emily and I were in school, um, so just to provide some context for your listeners, you know, we did our undergrads in the early nineties and grad school in the, in the you know, in the 90s and then had careers through sort of the turn of the century. Can you believe we get to say that now? <laughs> so so we've been around, so we've been around for a little while. And at that time you didn't you didn't do an undergrad and a master's and a DMA to teach. You did an undergrad and then maybe you did a master's, but then you went out and you got a young artist or a couple of them and you started to sing, like Emily said. And it wasn't until things start to started to get a little bit rough. And there was different funding models that in academia that people that the DMA program, the Doctor of Musical Arts, which is what we use as the way to weed out people for teaching in academia, mm -hmm. in the sense of like for job hires, I mean, um, you know, the, the doctoral program then became much more ubiquitous and, and every school started to offer one. And so, you know, at a certain point, you know, every school was was graduating a couple of DMA singers a year. And if you do the numbers, um, you know, do the numbers of the number of schools in the U.S. even, let alone, I mean, Canada is much a, a much smaller market, but in the U.S., you know, you're looking at thousands of singers a year getting doctorates. So then, mm -hmm. then the goal of the doctorate was to get you an academic job. So then you were being fed into that loop as well. And so then academia just started feeding itself, which then in order to support all of those people, we needed more singers, we needed more undergrads, which wow. then meant we needed more grad students, which meant that, right? And so you can see how that, that, that Ponzi scheme happens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I think we uh -huh. could call it that. I think I think the intention has always been good. And I think that there are excellent ways. There's excellent reasons to do any kind of education. I am not slamming education. I work for one of the biggest universities in North America. Like, mm -hmm. I get it. Um, but I think that that's what happened. And so then that perpetuated this sort of myth of, you know, there was a while there that the conversation was, if you have a DMA, do not put that on your performing resume because uh, a director or an entendant will not look at you, right? Mm. So it really put that separation in between teaching and singing. And so again, that was the pipeline. You had one thing or the other. And if you didn't do those things, you were a failure as a singer. Mm. Like you yeah. really were. And, 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 you know, we're still you know, we'll connect with old friends and old colleagues or former colleagues, I should say. And, you know, having these conversations about how we felt, you know, 15 years ago when we would have, when I, I mean, I transitioned out of, out of a career of singing into parenting actually, and then went into teaching. And I felt like teaching was definitely um, me being a failure. Mm. So, yeah. so we really just, that, that was part of it, why we wanted to sort of change that conversation. So 
Yeah, and I I totally appreciate all of this because it's definitely validating some of the feelings I have. Sure. Um, in terms of of singing and teaching and DMAs and master's degrees, because um, I had just got my master's degree uh, in voice in 2021, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I basically did all of my grad school through the pandemic um, on Zoom and everything, yeah. kind of you know getting this. I don't want to say worthless degree because it's not worthless, but seemingly in the, in the terms of the world in 2020, it felt like, you know, why am I singing on the computer right now? Why don't like, why am I yeah. doing this? And when I look back, you know, I did, I did my undergrad and then I went straight to, to my master's and I uh, um, now like being out of my master's, is when I'm actually finding my voice and like finding myself more and finding Uh my identity more. Absolutely. It's it's interesting that I really only applied to grad school because I thought I had to. Yes. Because I wanted to follow this pipeline, this trajectory, you know, for a successful singer. And now, you know, um, six months or however long after, I'm just like, you know, I, not that I didn't want to go, I didn't want the accolades or whatever, but it just, I'm, I was thinking to myself, did I need to do that, you know, mm-hmm. in order to be the type of singer that I want to be, and right. the type of artist I want to be. But you didn't even know to ask those questions because nobody in your exactly. undergrad said to you, what kind of singer do you want to be? Exactly. What audience do you want to reach? Who, what's, what do you want to say with your voice? Mm-hmm. Right. And so if we really want to, I mean, we're trying to start that conversation now for young artists, but really it's about how does our education need to be flexible moving forward? Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I think all of your feelings are really valid and also very, very common. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sort of been told one thing and that is the only way that is the only yeah. path. And um, and so we really need to change that conversation of what success is. Yeah, I think uh, a new definition of success, um, you know, being an artist, being a singer, being a young artist, especially it's it's challenging um, because your your idea of success might not be um, the same within the same vein of what you what what it's actually uh, what it's actually success for you you know mm-hmm. at well, your age it, and, you know what I mean and if I can jump in there I will say that the the idea of defining your success is individual it's mm-hmm. you Marcus how do you want to be how do you want to enter the world as an artist and what is successful for you? Because that's going to look different than what's successful for me. Right. Yeah. I yeah. will say too, just to your point about you saying that this is challenging for young artists. This is actually challenging for all artists. Mm. And the reason I say that is because some of the work that we've done over the last two years is with artists that are our age, that have had careers that are looking at the industry that are looking at the bigger picture and they're going, okay, So things are changing and I'm either getting stuff or I'm not, or I want to change how I support my family or the way I enter the world or whatever. And so then it's really scary to leave a full-time singing career and to walk into other, other avenues. Maybe you maintain your singing and you continue to teach or you start doing other things, but it doesn't matter how old you are that idea of success is always going to be unique and it's always going to change depending on where you are in, in the world at that time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I, I just think, again, you're not alone and your peers, you, you all are not alone. This is the conversation that's been going on forever. And mm. we want to have that. We want to we wanna remind everybody, whether we do it in a group setting or one-on-one, -on -one, that that conversation is valid. And mm. all of the different ways you want to enter the world are valid. Let's figure yeah. out how you can like make some money doing that so you can pay your rent. Exactly. That is that that's, is the the, that's ultimately. ultimately what we're all trying to do, right? Exactly. Like, yes. I got kids to go through. I got to put kids through university now, right? That's where I'm, yeah. I'm at. So I'm like, okay, yeah. so how am I going to do that? What's next? Yeah. Uh, I want all my friends and everyone to listen to this conversation and connect with you guys because this is definitely something that, like, especially through the pandemic, is just like a conversation that we're scared to have, I think, because we don't mm -hmm. want to admit, like, oh, we made a wrong choice or we picked the wrong career or, you know, what have you. But I just wish that we spoke more openly like this, like, why do we have to, you know, do whatever this one company wants to do in terms mm -hmm. of our voice? And I don't know, I think there's just, there's so much room for more open and honest conversation now amongst well, everyone. Yeah. And the only way we're going to get past through, oh my God, there's only this one job and that's the only thing I can do is to have the conversation, right? Because people aren't having the conversation because they think, okay, well, there's these like four companies left and I need one of those jobs. And so if I say anything that that is, that goes against me being a traditional opera singer, I'm not going to get hired. That's not going to be the way. And so how do we shift the conversation so the artist has the power and not the company having the power? right? That is yeah. really where the conversation needs to go. Exactly. And I think it's, it's just hard. Um, speaking from my perspective, I think it's hard as a as a young artist, as a person who's just starting out um, to, to, to challenge companies, because mm -hmm. ultimately, they are they do say if you know, if you get hired or not, but, but it's like, challenging, challenging them, and then still staying true to your truth and true to who you are, and being okay with and being okay with that, and, and maybe mm -hmm. you know what I mean, being okay with yep. them not liking some aspect of who you are because it's not going to change who I am, you know. Right. But but the companies aren't the ones you aren't the only places you can get jobs either, right? You can exactly. challenge a yes. company, but what we'll have the conversation about what else can you do with your art and be an artist? And as Elizabeth said, mm. enter the world as an artist that will make money. The companies exactly. don't have, they do not have to be the only ones that pay you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's important to have that conversation as well. Amazing. Um, okay. So I think I'd like to talk a little bit more about um, your company and how you guys um, maybe specifically coach or mentor young singers um yeah we um yeah. we act it's funny that you say that because we actually had a conversation today with some people and elizabeth and i have been having this conversation for a while that mentors mentorship the idea mm -hmm. of mentors is something we actually are trying to get away from oh, um, I, see, I see no 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 just because because again in our education we are taught that the teacher is the be all and end all. Even if you're having mm. a bad experience or you've had some sort of abuse in the teaching studio, that the teacher mm. is what is the mentor. Like you have to look up to the teacher. And I think it's really important for us to understand we're here as facilitators. We're here uh, to facilitate your 
journey, if you want to say it, or how you want to bring yourself into the world and help understand that there's more than just us that are the voices that can help you do that. Right. And so it's it's not you didn't say anything wrong with this is a conversation that Elizabeth and I are having pretty continuously about what mm. exactly are we doing. Right. And so yeah. facilitation is really where we're at. But Elizabeth, do you want to talk a little bit more to how we do that? Well, sure. And I think I think the, the important part is, is that I think mentorship is still a very valid, valid concept. And I, I still think that at the end of the day, there is mentorship happening because mentorship also means networking. And we do that as yes. well, mm -hmm. because anytime we're connected, like Marcus, you and I and Emily are now connected, right? Yeah. So you're yeah. going to, we're going to stay connected. We've now created a network. And, Amazing. and I think that that's really powerful. And we have to remember that. So, but just to go back to the work that we actually do. So um, we've, we've, <laughs> I want to say we've created, but actually we've really sort of taken all of the different various ideas about finding your why and finding purpose and artistic vision and all of that and created a process. We literally are calling it the process, mm -hmm. um, creating a process through which we take individuals through and groups. Actually, we're doing group mentorship and individual one on one mentorship um, where we take you through a process to help you discover those things. And for some people, you know, some people have done this work. So it's reminding them or retooling or, re or tweaking some of the things that who they think they are as an artist. Um, what is their why? What do they think they want to do next? And then going through that process and then discovering sort of creating some st strategic questions mm. that that the artist then talk asks themselves and then delves into that that then take us to that next step of, OK, so what are some of the projects that 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 strategic question could develop what what kinds of things do you want to develop whether it's a some sort of um uh, like a summer summer program if you're a teacher like I'm being really general here but mm -hmm. um some people want to start an art song series some people have wanted to do like some really cool technology driven um um like podcasty things where they interview opera characters. Some people just wanted to pivot their career and add teaching to it. And so what does that look like? Not just, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. Some people just needed to be challenged, like their thinking challenged, that they were stuck in a rut and yeah. they had the project, but they needed their thinking challenged. So so the idea is that then then we work with you and we, we challenge you. Um, and the reason why it's EM2 is, I mean, we're both EMs, that's our initials, and we are together in the meeting. And we both come from very sort of similar backgrounds, but also very different backgrounds. We also joke that I'm the nice Canadian and she's the hard-ass American. <laughs> so there's a bit of a vibe when you're working with mm -hmm. us. <laughs> Good to have balance, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and there's something to be said for having more than one brain on a, on a problem. Right. Yeah. So we can yeah. we can look at it and we see things differently. And then we you know, you present your your things. We have our meeting and then Emily and I go away and meet about it and go, OK, so here's some ideas. This is I think we should sort of go in this direction or that direction and like ask these kinds of questions and sort of delve into that. And so so just from a structural standpoint, then basically the program that we have right now is. Um, you would have, it's a 12 week uh, program where you meet with us every other week for 12 weeks. So you get six meetings. Um, and then we facilitate uh, many conversations between meetings um, with various documents. We have you doing different kinds of project things that I've mentioned. Um, 
and we sort of sort of wade through all of the the work that you do to help you come to something at the end and then you know i i don't i think that the idea is that you're never at the end it's just where's the next step in your process and and continue with that um, and then we're going to start a group mentorship program in the middle of March where we will do similar things, but in a group setting on Zoom mm -hmm. as sort of a small group um, so that then there's this this networking aspect of it or power connections. Some people don't like the word networking, but this connection yeah. where we can support and help each other. There's that peer support. Um, and and often when we all start talking we all come up with new ideas and new solutions. And there's this synergy that happens in the room. I mean, you know, it's like a rehearsal, right? Yeah, How exciting yeah, yeah. a rehearsal is, right? When you get that. And so that's the that's that's what we try to achieve in the in the group process facilitation so that people really um, get jazzed about what they're what they're doing themselves, but then can support those around them and uh, go through that. So amazing. Well, yeah. what you're describing sounds <laughs> Well, better than an experience, my experience in grad school at least, and has more of the effect of what grad school is supposed to do. So <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's, I've, again, I've never heard of anything like this and I think it's amazing um, what you guys, what you two are doing and the tools that you are offering. Um, I don't wanna say struggling artists, but you know, people who are in a, on a rut. Yeah, but I Marcus, totally aren't we? With. Aren't we all struggling on some level? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, January was a very hard one. I think. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Amen. Yeah, <laughs> this idea of of kind of uh, kind of going through the fire together just it makes mm -hmm. it seem a little bit easier and like a little bit like we're not. I'm not doing this by myself, and I don't just have to rely on myself or my teacher or some, you know what I mean? I think it just it brings me a lot of hope um, for the future of, of art singing, what have you. And I, yeah, I just, I, I really appreciate what you're doing. And I think it, um, this idea of community, um, mm -hmm. it kind of resets this a less toxic version of community because mm -hmm. in, in, in my experience in school and in conservatory, um, you know, there is a very tight knit community, but it also becomes toxic when it becomes people, you know, again, it's going for that one spot or it's the competition. Yourself, exactly. Yeah. The competition and yep. comparing yourself to others on a daily basis and bringing yourself down. And, you know, I, I guess it's school is designed to, um, I guess it's kind of designed to make a community and, and build yourself up and build up your confidence, but it does the exact opposite because of sometimes. Yeah. Go. Yeah. yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and you need your team, right? I mean, that's like exactly. you just said. You sort of rely on your voice teacher and your undergrad. I mean, your graduate or undergrad, and you have your pianist and you have some of your teachers and stuff. But then when you get out of those the educational experience, you still need a team. You still exactly. need these people that remind you that you are worthy and that mm -hmm. you have talent outside of the one job that you might not have gotten. And um, yeah. And so that community, like you said, is really, really important. And that's actually why we started from the voice of we haven't talked about from the voice of yet. So uh, Elizabeth, oh, okay. do you want to take a little? Yeah, it's just a little arm of our business. Would you like to okay. describe? Well, no, that's that that's that's the community. Emily, actually, yeah. listen to me. I'm going to bounce it back to Emily because she's the brainchild behind the community. <laughs> I, I like to say I just go along for the ride. I'm the pretty face. So, uh, 
so I, I have for a long time wanted a community in our field that was not Facebook. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't think we have to go into what the issues with Facebook in a variety of ways. Yeah. But I don't think, I mean, I also <laughs> want to be honest that I, I have found a lot of camaraderie and information on Facebook. There are good things about it, especially during the pandemic when I needed to pivot my teaching and pivot my singing and find out how to do a video in the best way possible. I think all <laughs> of us have been there. Um, oh, yeah. But I also wanted to have a community, a place where you didn't have to just come to just Elizabeth and I, but as again, this networking that we're talking about, these power connections, how could we find a place that was positive, that was engaging, that really asked the questions rather than just people feeling like they needed to spout off here or there about certain things or what they were eating for dinner or all of those things, <laughs> but have that true connection of the community. And so we started, um, at the same time we started EM Squared Connect, we started a community on Mighty Networks, which is a hosting site for communities. And the community is called From the Voice Of and it's free. And we ask that everybody comes and joins us and we have community conversations where we bring in artists and thinkers and everybody from all over the world. We have, we definitely have people from all over the world that are part of this community. Um, we talk about equity and diversity and give people tools to help them engage in that in the, both their careers and in their work. Um, we have renewals, so we talk about people who are helping you support yourself both physically and mentally. So there's a whole lot of information that's on there. It's free. We just want to provide a space for people to talk about the real issues when it came, comes to what we're doing and feel supported. Again, where do, in our lives after you get out of school and maybe not even in school, do you feel supported? And exactly. I think that's always the question, right? Yeah. 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 I, so, I, yeah. yeah. Sorry, you were going to say. Found, uh, no, I was just going to say I found. Um, I think I found the strongest community when I when I left school, um, uh -huh. just with you know my coworkers and you know friends that I've kept from high school and you know what have you. But yeah, I think having we should have a strong community of of singers and artists because what we do is, um, I don't know. I think it's very specific. It's very. Uh, like it, you have to think a certain way in order to do it. You have to be a certain way in order to do it. I think we should have a very strong connected community, but again, you know, the, the jobs and the money aspect of it all mm -hmm. kind of drives us, drives a wedge between us. But I, this, again, this, this, this gives me such hope for the future of this. Um, yes. Scarcity mindset is not a place to, that's nice to live. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh <my goodness>. <laughs> <laughs> So if we can keep reminding each other, there's always something out there for all of us. It's an important thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You you made a comment about being in grad school and about how it wasn't a place for, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting because, you know, both Emily and I teach in academia and we both went to those grad schools. I actually went to Eastman as well. I did my oh, master's yeah. there. Okay. <laughs> so, so, you know, I know what you talk about. And I think the challenge that we're having specifically now is that universities and, and, um, or the academy and the, the, um, um, yeah. And these, these, uh, conservatory programs were not meant, were not built to be flexible. Mm. And we have, we're, we're coming into this time and I shouldn't, maybe, maybe that's the wrong way to characterize it, but they weren't built to be flexible in a quick way. 
yeah. that there is so much infrastructure. There's so much quote unquote tradition. There's so much, there's so much, there's so much entrenchment in so many sort of ways it's structured that it becomes incredibly challenging to make inroads in change, right? Yeah. And I actually think Eastman is, I, I am very proud to be an Eastman grad because I look at what Eastman did after I left after I left you like that. And, and the start of the, of the arts leadership program and being mm. able to see that that was something that was going to happen to me, that was pretty forward thinking. And, and yeah. remember that that's been around now for a while. That isn't yeah. new. That's they've been building that for a while and talking about community engagement and all of those things. And I have to say that that, that is pretty amazing. And, and you, if you look around, you'll see that other schools have imitated that. And a lot of schools have just ignored that. Oh, yeah. And I've, um, I, I've always, I, I've never was in the ALP program, but, you know, mm -hmm. the best and the brightest are always in that program, I, I say. And uh, <laughs> you sound like the best and the brightest. What yeah. is that talk? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give a little shout out to Francesca, our, um, our founder of the What Is Out For Anyway Foundation and um, mm -hmm. the podcast. Um, she was a member of the ALP program and she mm -hmm. just presents, she, she already had a lot of leadership, but doing that program, and I'm sure she can speak to this, but doing that program has really, I, I saw a change in her. I saw um, like an excitement for doing mm -hmm. projects like this, like our, um, mm -hmm. our virtual after school program, things like that, our adult education program um, that, um, that I just hadn't seen and I um, hadn't seen before like in a lot of young conservatory singers because yeah. and then I, I, uh, I went to a different school, another conservatory uh, in New York City for uh, my master's. And again, like they just was one, were one of the schools that ignored um, this arts leadership uh, mm -hmm. type of program. And I could, you could see the difference between, mm -hmm. uh, they, they were just breeding or like, <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't mean to use that word, but they were no, just like but, yeah, reading we students to to do one thing and one yeah. thing only, and mm -hmm. it's so it just it's it's exhausting. Um, it just cuts off these parts of you that you used to have. Um, like I said, like once I once I graduated, once I was out of school, like my mind was opening up to so many different things, including you know doing this podcast. Um, you know, that's just a way for me to, you know, use my knowledge and whatever to kind of have a creative output, which is, which is what I've always wanted to do. Um, but yeah, there is just, there's in some places, uh, some schools, they are either doing exactly what Eastman had started doing or just, yeah, just not doing anything at all. And people are falling in the crack, in my opinion, there are people who are, you know, falling in the cracks who just don't know, they don't. Sure they don't have a specific place to go. They, right. they need, you know, they just have the guidance. Yeah. Well, and the reason I bring that up is to say that that's the challenge with the work that we're doing is that what I want to see is the work that we're doing becomes part of the standard undergrad curriculum on some level so that we can start mm. asking these questions. We can start having young artists and they don't have to be singers. Like the whole point is that artistry is artistry, right? So yeah. all young artists can be asking these questions and finding and defining success for them. And if, if their concept of success and this is their choice is that it is that one path, then I don't want to take that from them. And I want to be able to train them to the level that they can be successful. 
But we know that that is like a very, 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 very small minority of artists that are going to do that 1% kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And so what, how can we be having conversations sooner that doesn't take away from the idea of, of, you know, good training, whatever that is. And we, we're not going to go there right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. But do you know what I mean? How can we be having these conversations so that, that we can sort of balance those two concepts, you know? And I think we're, I think we're in a time where where your generation, Marcus, honestly, you're the ones that are challenging it and and really demanding that schools start to think about that. Yeah. It's going to take time, though. It's going to take time. Yeah. Well, there's always that question, you know, is opera dead or is it dying? Right. And <laughs> right. if we continue on this path, yes, that is how it dies. Yeah. Right. And so if we really, truly and schools should buy into this, I hope if they truly want opera to succeed and be and grow, this is how we do it. Right. We start the mm-hmm. conversation from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So we, from we all hope it's going to change. <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> we are. Oh, my goodness. We are. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'd love everybody to just come to the community from the voice of it's free. We'd love to hear everybody's opinion, your thoughts, your questions, all that kind of stuff. I think that right now is the best place that we have started to start that conversation. So please, please come and join us. It's from the voice of dot com. Yeah, just great. FYI. <laughs> okay, great. We'll put it in the description of the podcast sure. so people great. are forced to click on it, tell my forced. friends about it. <laughs> Forcing them. <laughs> Forcing them to connect. Yes. Um, okay, well, it looks like we've come to the end of the podcast, end of our Thank conversation. Um, so at the end of the podcast, we like to ask all of our guests, what is opera anyway? <laughs> Either either of you can give a collective answer or both or a different answer from each of you. Oh, gosh. Well, I will say that my husband, who is not a musician, I told him the name of this podcast and he goes, it's just words set to music, right? And so... Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think opera is just another form of human expression. And it is important that we celebrate all of those forms of human expression and just keep, you know, feeling the feels. I think what I love about opera and I love about art in general is that it really reaches every single one of us at the depths of our soul. So mm. I believe we just need to keep keep on supporting it and keep on doing it. Elizabeth? Ha ha ha. Um, I agree with Emily. I think opera is just that next level storytelling. It's like extended storytelling that from a, you know, a physical standpoint and a physics standpoint, literally the molecules of sound or the waves of sound, you can tell I'm not a scientist, the Mm -hmm. waves of sound (laughs) are moving our emotional being. And when you really allow yourself to be affected by that, then then the world changes. And I know that sounds dramatic, but we know we've had those experiences. That's why we're still here. Emily and I, yeah. and that's why you're still like, you know, living in New York city, eating ramen. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Are you still living in New York city, eating ramen? <laughs> oh yeah. Every day. <laughs> right. Because we are, we, yeah. we want that. We want that experience and it's mm. on some level, it can be worth it if we don't lose our soul to it as artists. Amazing. Great. 
Well, thank you both so, so much. We really appreciate you. You, um, both of you coming by and talking to me today. Um, I think our audience will really appreciate you guys as well. Thank well, you thank so you. much, Marcus. It's been great. Amazing. Thank yeah, you. Thank you so much. That was my conversation with Emily Martin and Elizabeth McDonald of EM Squared Connect. To find out more about their business and mutual artistic support, check out their website at em2connect.com and find out more about how you can find artistic support through an online community by joining From the Voice of at fromthevoiceof.com. Thanks for listening. The composer of our overture is Reagan Castile. You can hear more of her work at ReaganCastile.com. That's R-E-A-G-A-N-C-A-S-T-E-E-L.com. Our podcast logo was designed by Francesca Leonetta and Hannah Stokes. Our social media is done by Vina Akama-Makia. Our producers, technical directors, and editors are Jeremy Lopez and Noah Sessler. Our executive producer is Francesca Leonetta. I'm Marcus Jefferson, and this was What is Opera Anyway, the podcast. See you next time.